I'm Chris Reback, and this is my new podcast that focuses on an important, difficult, but addressable part of healthcare in America, medical debt. This launch episode is sponsored by RIP Medical Debt. And before I get to my conversation with two researchers who are looking to document for the first time the impact that resolving medical debt can have on people's lives, I want to tell you about the incredible work being done by RIP Medical Debt. RIP Medical Debt locates, buys, and forgives medical debt on behalf of individual donors, philanthropists, and organizations who provide financial relief for people burdened by unpaid and unpayable medical bills. Here's part of what makes RIP so interesting and so good at what they do. They were founded in 2014 by two former collections industry executives. Despite working for decades in health and debt collections, they had no idea of how many Americans shoulder the burden of unpaid medical debt and the enormity of that debt. They wanted to help. Funded by the generosity of individuals, foundations, and corporations, RIP seeks out distressed medical debt in the collections industry and the community of medical providers, including hospitals and medical practices. RIP offers to buy this debt for pennies on the dollar, which is how RIP can make such a significant impact. The average ratio is 1 to 100. That means a donation of $50 can buy as much as $5,000 in medical debt, and $1 million can buy $100 million in debt. And here's the punchline. Once this debt's in their possession, it's abolished as a gift from RIP to the patient. No strings attached, a gift made possible by complete strangers, people bailing out people. It's a simple, powerful solution to an incredible problem. Check them out at ripmedicaldebt.org. Now to our conversation. As you surely know, Congress is actively discussing massive changes to the American health care system, changes that, if nothing else, are expected to vastly increase Americans' level of medical debt. In other words, real health costs that people take on and simply can't afford. Here's some statistics. Even today, some 43 million American adults, that's one in five, have delinquent medical debt on their credit reports. For 15 million adults, medical debt is the only debt shown in their credit reports, and medical debt contributes to more than 60% of the bankruptcies in America. In the face of this massive and growing problem, four university researchers have launched a first-of-its-kind economic impact study of medical debt forgiveness. In what tangible ways does forgiving medical debt affect people's lives? The researchers come from the economics and public policy departments of UCLA, University of Chicago, MIT, and UC Berkeley, and I spoke with two of them. Wes Yin is an associate professor in the Department of Public Policy in the Anderson School of Management at UCLA and is a faculty research fellow at the National Bureau of Economic Research. Wes previously served as Acting Assistant Secretary of Economic Policy at the Department of Treasury and as a Senior Economist in the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Ray Kluwender is another of the four researchers. He's a doctoral student in economics at MIT. Yin and Kluwender joined me recently from opposite coasts to discuss medical debt, their study, and the difference they hope to make in people's lives. Wes, Ray, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for thanks having so us. Much for having us. No, it's my it's my pleasure. Let, let's begin with an overview, and and Wes, let's start with you, and and then Ray will. I, I'll want to hear your point of view as well. Um, there are a lot of social and economic problems in the world. Um, why, out of all of them, um, why did the impact of medical debt become the center of your research? 
Well, for me, medical debt um, plays a, an important front and center role in the ongoing debate about health care reform, actually. Um, as you know, you know, the, the Republicans right now are, you know, uh, engaging in health care reform. They have a couple of plans from the, the House and the Senate. And a big part of those plans are to actually um, take away health insurance from individuals. And for those individuals that have health insurance, um, it's actually lowered the premiums over time by offering less generous coverage. Um, so what that means is that people are going to be exposed to greater and greater financial risk um, from, from medical care. Um, and so that really motivates my interest in, you know, what are the impacts of that financial exposure, um, whether you have insurance or not. Um, uh, what are the impacts of medical debt on individuals um, through the accruing of greater medical expenses? Uh, and there's going to be many, many downstream impacts um, uh, from employment to financial um, investments. Uh, and, and that type of uh, downstream impact is something that we really want to focus on through the, through the study. So w- would you characterize, I mean, this has been, uh, you know, obviously medical debts and, and the problem around it has been something that has, um, you know, grown over uh, the last several years. I guess is this a thing where you, when you, you're looking at uh, the potential direction of healthcare in America, and you see it as a bad problem that has the potential to get worse? Is that kind of you know one of the motivating factors for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, even among those people with health insurance, there's been a long trend for uh, a lot of cost shifting down to the patients. It's been one of the reasons how, you know, insurance companies and employers have been able to, um, you know, keep costs um, controllable is, is passing on some of the risk down to, down to the, the, the consumers. So it could be with higher deductibles, higher co-pays. Um, uh, you know, there's this big movement with high deductible health plans. That's all kind of this long-term trend to pass risk from the insurance companies and employers down to consumer. So basically, it's, you know, having less insurance. Um, and that that's a long-term trend that's happened, in addition to just fewer and fewer people having health insurance. Um, so the ACA comes along, and it's just massive um, reform aimed at increasing health insurance coverage for individuals. Um, and that's been great. And um, But even within the ACA, you know, a lot of the plans have high, high deductibles. Um, you know, for lower-income individuals, there's um, cost-sharing reductions, uh, an extra subsidy to help with these big deductibles. Um, but but people still are exposed to a lot of financial risk, um, even with health insurance. And the movement that the Republicans are pushing right now, um, you know, you can have different beliefs about you know what should be done, but at least for the financial risk aspect of it, um, it just it just um, uh, counters the benefits that the ACA has already uh, produced there. A lot of, uh, exposes consumers to a lot of risk um, through, um, you know, reductions of health insurance coverage for, for millions of people, as well as those with health insurance. It's by offering them less generous options. Um, you know, their aim is to have lower premiums, but it's not more efficient plans. It's just less generous plans. That means greater exposure to financial risk borne by the consumers. So yes, it, it is something that that um, uh, moving forward is is an even more important issue. And Ray, how about you? What uh, what was it about medical debt that inspired you to get involved in uh, this study? 
thanks. Um, so I think part of it is just kind of the the magnitude of uh, the kind of debt that's held by households in this country, um, and in some sense, it seems like the the primary financial risk that households face, or at least one of the biggest ones, is medical debt. Um, and as Wes mentioned, it's it's incredibly informative in terms of uh, to understand how this that affects households if we're going to kind of weigh different trade-offs um, when we're designing healthcare policy. So understanding the effects on households is kind of paramount to figuring out exactly how we should weigh these lower premiums against higher cost sharing and higher risk in the event of an actual hospitalization or just kind of accessing um, outpatient care. So, so describe it, and that's a great lead-in. Um, Wes, describe, if you would, the research itself. What is, you know, what are you guys studying? You know, what's your hypothesis? What's the process going to be? What do you, you know, hope or anticipate the outcome to be? But just, just give me the overview of the actual uh, study that you guys are launching. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as Ray mentioned, I mean, there's this, this huge magnitude of debt out there, but surprisingly, we don't know a lot about what the impact of that debt is on individual um, or family well-being or financial well-being. Tell me, tell me what you mean by that, because it, t- tell me what you mean by that, because when I hear debt, I, it's like, well, I got to fig- you know, I figure automatically that's really bad for family well-being. So, w- w- what do you what do you mean that that there's kind of a question as to how it would impact family well-being? Uh, well, in some sense, when we typically think about debt, debt may not be a bad thing. I mean, you know, if I want to go out and borrow money for a business, um, you know, that, that debt is an investment into something that may be productive. So, so debt in general may not be bad. Even debt, you know, for, for education may not be a bad thing. Medical debt's a little bit different in that, first of all, it's not a choice that we necessarily make. Um, Moreover, um, a lot of medical debt is borne by lower-income individuals, and they have a they have a difficult time repaying. Um, and so, one of the one of the reasons why I think that could be particularly harmful for individuals is because um, the impact of debt might accrue upon itself, making it harder and harder to get out of it. You know, it could affect your credit, um, it could affect your credit scores. It may make it more difficult to borrow. Uh, may make um, you know interest rates higher. It, you know it, it could be um, a negative sign on on an apartment housing or an employment um, uh, screen. So those might have downstream effects that just make an earning income or paying off debt even harder. Um, so these types of debt cycles are things that we care about. Um, and but it's not necessarily clear that that happens. Um, for instance, looking at it from another lens. It could very well be the case that, you know, debt could sit there for a very long time. Um, and if if debt or if credit is just an indicator of, like, you know, future credit risk, you know, medical debt might sit there. But, you know, people may not consider medical debt as a signal of bad credit or bad faith in future um, investments or borrowing. Uh, and, and so it could just um, and sit there as as stale debt for a very long time. And if the person doesn't pay it off, um, that might not hurt their future credit. We're not sure which way that is. And certainly that might differ by younger and older debt. You know, maybe individuals are trying to pay off younger debt. But by the time you debt, you know, that the impact of that might be diminished over time. But that's something that's really unclear from an empirical point of view. And, and that's really the, the heart of 
why we're doing this study in a rigorous way. What factors will you uh, track, Ray, as you as you look at this and and measure the economic impact, I guess, of medical debt forgiveness? Um, wh- how are you going to do that? How are you going to measure that uh, that impact? So the primary source of data that we're going to use, um, so currently for the pilot study that we have underway and for the as the primary data source for the full-scaled study that we're uh, kind of hoping to roll out in the next year or so, uh, we're going to be looking at credit reports. So credit reports, uh, so credit reporting agencies like TransUnion, um, they collect all of this information from public records, from banks, Um, from hospitals if they sold off the debt, from collection agencies, um, and that can include things like bankruptcy and auto loans. Um, And we're going to kind of pull information from credit reports uh, with the hope that that'll kind of provide a relatively coherent um, picture of a household's finances. So we're going to look at kind of the effects of uh, medical debt forgiveness uh, through RIP medical debt, and look at the effect that that has kind of first and foremost on the amount of medical debt that households have in collections. And then we're going to look at whether that debt forgiveness has spillover effects onto other aspects of the credit report. So you might imagine that you're really worried about paying down your medical bills and because you've received some kind of uh, debt relief uh, from RIP that households might be better able to pay back uh, some of their other credit card loans or student loans, and we'll be able to see all of that information on the credit report. Um, and beyond that, you might think that you know, medical debt forgiveness will you'll eliminate some of the collections that are on your credit report, which might improve your credit score um, and make you a more appealing borrower to banks. Um, and so you might, so we're kind of you know interested in looking at whether that also has effects on um, you know individuals and households' ability to procure a mortgage or secure an auto loan, um, as well as kind of preventing the downside risk of of things like filing for bankruptcy. Um, So credit reports are the first data source that we're interested in looking at. Um, Moving forward uh, with the project, we're also going to be really interested in looking at kind of the non-pecuniary aspects of uh, medical debt and the effects that it has on households. Uh, In particular, I think we're really interested in learning more about how medical debt affects uh, households' decisions to seek medical care. Um, so you might imagine that if you get hit by a medical bill, you're going to be much less likely to kind of be inclined to go to the doctor for something that might be something you're on the fence about seeking care for. And a lot of those things can be really important for preventative care. Um, so you, so we're really interested down the line to look at um, kind of the effect that medical debt forgiveness has on people's uh, decisions to seek healthcare and what that has, the effect that that has on their health down the line. Um, but to begin with, we're trying to see, kind of get a, get a full picture of what, how the effects of medical debt are on households' finances. Yeah, that That's incredibly powerful. So just to be clear, you will have, can I assume it's, it's two groups? Will you have more than two groups? And um, I guess both groups, uh, well, with, I guess both groups will have the individuals have some level of medical debt in one group or in a group. Um, that medical debt or some percentage of that medical debt will be forgiven, and that's being forgiven um, through the nonprofit group RIP Medical Debt. They will they are buying, I guess, in a sense, that group's medical debt or finding a way paying, you know, forgiving that medical debt for those individuals, and by looking at the 
subsequent outcomes for you know th those folks versus I guess the control group um, and and looking at the factors that you just mentioned uh, you know their ability you know the credit score their ability to get a mortgage um, other uh, measures of economic well-being and th that's in the immediate term in the longer term and that was just really you know kind of I mean that's really very sad stuff to think that um, you know among the impacts of medical debt among the many many negative impacts of medical debt could be um, the avoidance of getting medical help in the future. I assume there are likely many other social, negative social impacts on family life and, and so forth. But am I, am I understanding that correctly? I mean, Wes, maybe, you know, correct me. What, what do I have wrong or, or do I understand uh, the, the study and what you guys are doing? No, that's, that's exactly our approach. And, and one important thing to note here is that um, you know, one of our, our big interests is understanding the, you know, the impact of medical debt on you know, family and individual well-being. Um, however, rather than, you know, randomly giving people debt, um, which I don't think would pass our university IRB approval, <laughs> um, our approach is to find people with existing debt and then to abolish that debt. So, you know, we're going to find people with the holes and we're going to fill them in rather than randomly assigning people with, with the debt themselves. Um, so, so yes, that, that is our approach. We're, we're, we're looking at, we're examining the, the impacts of medical debt through the impact of debt relief. Um, and, and that's how, um, you know, our collaborations with RIP Medical, the, the nonprofit that, that has, you know, really evangelized and pioneered this, this really important um, direction in, you know, relieving the, the burden of medical debt for individuals. Um, that, that's that's the reason why that collaboration is so so fruitful. And, and you just mentioned the universities. I mean, aren't aren't you you know embarrassed bottom feeding at the universities that you've you've done for you know your researchers? I mean, you know you're at UCLA, you know raised at MIT, you know Berkeley uh, and Chicago Booth for your two other researchers, uh, Francis Wong and. Neil Mahoney. I mean, you, you really kind of—it's—it's it's a bit of bottom feeding. I mean, you couldn't do any better than that, Wes. <laughs> you know, it, we're all just interested in our work. I—I I will probably say that I'm at a, pri a public institution where, <laughs> where, um, uh, you know, where we can bring our, our work to bear for 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 public students here. Um, Ray, how is it at MIT with all those uh, smarty pants private students? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a I'm a proud alum of uh, the University of Wisconsin for my undergrad, and I am nice. <laughs> you know, blessed to be at MIT every day around these these smart folks. Uh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really um, it, it's really an impressive group. Um, how does it do, do the? How how did you guys come together? Um, either one, kind of. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I really don't know. Who was there? One of you who kind of generated the idea, and then somehow the four of you came together. Um, tell tell me that story. Wes, are you the right person to tell that story, or or Ray? Well, I, I'm happy to speak on this because I want to give Ray a lot of credit for this. Um, so, Ray, if you don't mind me speaking on your behalf for a second. Um, you know, Ray was, well, I think the, the first person of, of our group to reach out to RIP. Fran Francis was first. Oh, was it Francis? Well, oh, Fran yeah. Right. Ray, Ray um, you've, done, you've done that wrong. I don't know what the ethics are exactly in academics, but, you, you know, to, <laughs> Fran Francis isn't on this conversation, so you really ought to be taking credit. <laughs> uh, right. And, um, 
And so, so you know, my, my initial exposure to RIP was first through um, the John Oliver show, um, but then I was I was able to meet um, the uh, you know Jerry and Craig, um, you know, who are the co-founders the, the founders, of RIP yes. at yes. a yeah at a conference hosted by JPAL, which is um, you know this really fantastic uh, research funding organization um, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, MIT. Uh, they had a conference where they were bringing, um, you know, implementers and innovative thinkers in the field um, and letting them meet academics to collaborate on research projects. Um, and uh, it, it was there that I, I had learned that um, Ray and Francis had, had brought out RIP to that conference. Um, and so we all got to talking at that point. I got you. So it was the it was two. So Francis is a grad student at Berkeley, and Ray, you're you're a doctoral student as well, I guess, at, at MIT. Is that so? The two doctoral students were you guys working, and uh, on this as your as your as a doctoral thesis, Ray? I, I'm I'm sure I'm getting this wrong. So so explain to me how did you and Francis get together, and what happened? Then you kind of had this idea for a study, and then you. Did you then bring in Wes and Neil because you met them at this event, or how, how did you know? How did the four of you get together on this? Uh, yeah, so as a as a doctoral student, you're um, kind of always trolling around looking for research ideas. Uh, you know, it's it's always tough to get the research agenda started. Um, and Francis and I actually, I think we both saw the John Oliver skit. Um, and Francis is always a little bit more organized and diligent than I was. Uh, contacted RP first. And he uh, was in touch with Craig and Jerry, the kind of two primary guys running the RIP Medical Debt Nonprofit. And Craig and Jerry were kind of terrific, and they're always open to kind of listening to interested and engaged parties. Um, so Francis had contacted them initially uh, after seeing the John Oliver segment. Um, and I did the same, I think, a few weeks later. So kind of last August, we were both in touch um, with RIP Medical Debt um, about kind of working on an academic study. So, you know, anytime uh, academic economists see kind of a problem of this scale um, and kind of the way that RIP is able to leverage relatively small amounts of money to buy massive amounts of debt, um, kind of using their kind of collective expertise in the collections industry, um, so we both kind of jumped at the opportunity and both saw it as a, you know, a primary or a, kind of a prime uh, setting to do research. So I contacted uh, RIP and they decided to put me in touch with Francis since we had kind of similar visions for the kind of collaboration that we were interested in. Um, and Francis is actually, um, he's a fellow student to my old roommate out here who I worked, uh, who I used to live with, uh, in Cambridge. And so I, you know, did my due diligence and checked that Francis was worth working with, uh, and, uh, nothing but glowing reviews. So Francis and I decided to collaborate together. Um, and then we were kind of hoping to sell RIP on the idea of doing um, kind of the most rigorous academic research possible. Uh, and that was why we had the idea to kind of invite Craig and Jerry out to the JPAL conference in Cambridge. Um, and Wes was there presenting uh, some of his work on California's health insurance exchanges. Um, and our other co-author, Neil Mahoney, was also, uh, he was also in attendance, kind of working with some of the research partners. Um, and I think, you know, Francis and I were both interested in 
the project uh, to get our agenda started. But at the same time, I think we had a longer vision for this project than we would be able to tackle on our own as graduate students uh, in time to complete our dissertations anyway. Um, and we were really uh, kind of anxious and excited to bring uh, Neil and Wes on board, uh, given their own expertise. You know, uh, Wes has uh, run some RCTs with JPL in the past, and Neil is uh, kind of another terrific economist at doing work in health insurance and consumer finance. Uh, so we were really happy to be able to kind of lean on and learn from uh, some of our more senior collaborators. Uh, that's terrific. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a group. Um, you, Wes, to, to kind of close out, wh- what's next um, on this? And, and you come at this, uh, and, and Ray just hinted at it a little bit, um, and you talked about it. It was even evident in, in you know, kind of how you opened and you went immediately uh, to the public policy components of this. I mean, you you're kind of a, a cross pollinization of uh, public policy and economics, and and you know, you're also at the School of Management out there. Um, you've held roles in uh, you know in you know in and for the U.S. government. Um, what's next? Do you feel on this study, and what do you see as next on this kind of? massive and really, uh, you know, just so debilitating topic of medical debt. Uh, right. You know, as, as scientists, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to say where this will go because what comes next really depends on a strong evidence base. So we're really excited about, you know, this next phase of the study where we're going to take um, our pilot um, for which we're, you know, uh, as Ray had mentioned, you know, we're, we're merging this, this financial information to understand the impacts and, and extending it to this much bigger study where we're going to have the, the size and uh, the nuances of the study that is going to be sufficiently large where we can try to really unpack, you know, the, the, in a rigorous way, the, the impacts of, of debt burden on these individuals. Um, and so that's, that's going to open a lot of doors. Um, as far as research questions, you know, is, so yes, if there is or is not a, a you know, a big effect on individuals, um, financials, what types of effect? This is going to inform us on the next stage of research. Um, Ray, Ray mentioned, you know, our interest in looking at the non-pecuniary impacts of, um, debt and, and debt abolishment. Um, and so that, that's, that's a, a massive question. It's a really important question. It's not just financials, but what are the impacts? What, is the, what are the impacts on employment? What are the impacts on, on uh, uh, health care seeking? Um, and so that's kind of like uh, the, the, the next stage of questions that we're really interested in. And, and depending on those results, that'll speak to, you know, the policy implications. You know, what are the, what are the trade-offs between... Um, premiums and take up um, versus uh, the high deductible high deductible plans. What are the, what's the what are the importance what is the importance of having insurance in the first place? We have a lot of evidence on the impacts of on health itself, on you know avoiding catastrophic medical expenses. But what are, what are the additional long term lifetime impacts through medical debt? Um, and that might speak to the policy debates right now on the importance of having insurance and the design of those plans. Uh, so that, that's really where we see this long-term agenda. Um, and, um, you know, we're really excited about starting this, this big, big first step. Well, it, it's a massive topic and it's a timely topic and it goes to the heart as you are outlining um, of just about every aspect of our personal lives, our health, our work, 
um, you know, what we can afford our, our, I'm sure our family interactions and, um, you know, and, and social outcomes and, and more. So, uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, like everyone else, I look forward to seeing, uh, the research and, uh, I would look forward to talking to you guys again as you, uh, you know, hit your different stages and, uh, learn more. So Wes, uh, Ray, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Chris, thanks so much. Thank you, Chris.